This is Death Before Dishonor. I'm Genesee. My character is Xanatari. She's a good aligned Kalishtar war priest. I'm Daniel. This symbol is renowned for being associated with the Rod of Orcus, the artifact that I'm after. I'm Eric. My, my name is, is Cesar. I was a, a slave worker for the uh, undead armies of Thay for 75 years. And I'm Tinzian. Shall we start this over again? One of the beauties of D&D. Can't end the story. Goes anywhere you want it. Welcome to Death Before Dishonor. This is episode 83, the last of our recaps with Rabbit, catching us up to currently where we are, where we are with Razor. And the episode that'll be coming out very shortly following this will be a brand new episode. Um, and you'll hopefully enjoy the recap to make sure that you have followed all of it up to that point and know the story and understand where we are. And for those of you who are not following the recaps, uh, you will have that new episode on Friday. I would encourage you, if you're a new listener and just getting into it, this is a great way to do so. You can have all the funny bits and the amusing uh, short bits that Rabbit has so generously edited out and put in here, and get a general overview of our journey and travels through the last campaign to this point. If you would like to watch us live, we do record on Fridays at 10.30 Eastern Time on twitchtv.com slash genesee, where you can watch all of our hijinks and see us in person and communicate with us in the chat. You will, If you do that, you'll be an episode or two ahead, obviously, than where you would be in the MP3, but still fun and a great time to hang out and meet all of you. Also, if you would like to chat at us, you can find us on signalsmedia.com, and there are new forums there where you can go to the Death Before Dishonor forum, communicate with us that way, or you can leave posts and comments on deathbeforedishonor.com, which is where most of this is posted. So I hope you enjoy the recap, and we will resume regular regular campaign programming uh, in the next episode. The remaining folks, uh, that being Sanitari and Thorn, because Mithrin is still not here, uh, had a very kind of apocalyptic set of battles and war at this portal where they saw many atro- atrocities and fought many battles faced their own deepest horrors and was able to, in the end, apparently fall back into the light. The party is kneeling at the edge of a portal, and around them the room shows extreme signs of destruction, that there has indeed been a long series of fighting, and the priest minotaur his corpse is pretty much as close to dust as you can get there are the sounds of bells still echoing through the city from outside uh, the bunker that you're in yet the last smell that you can remember before the room went dark and all the fighting began still lingers as if you have not fully inhaled the breath uh, before all the fighting took place. Portal is still unsealed. It is not a murky black mess, but it is actually a uh, passageway downward into the ground, um, sort of a large circular stairway winding its way down into the darkness down below. In the last episode, you both looked extremely older, much more powerful, and so forth, you now, once again, look to each other like yourselves. There's enough that happened that you're pretty sure it happened instead of just fully dreaming, but yet it's really kind of kind of dreamy. It's You guys have had a lot of weird stuff happen to you, and you know that there's a lot of weird, especially Xanatari uh, knows there's a lot of uh, weird stuff that, you know, can can happen, but obviously, whatever it is, it's suddenly making, you know, you guys understand more about yourselves and therefore your levels. Something did happen. You seem to be missing somebody from the party that, um... Well, Scissor. Mm-hmm. Kevin. Kevin. Mm-hmm. You, you, you remember him being there and fighting with you all, but... Mm. 
He's not there right now. Uh, um, alright, so I'd like to do a perception check to see whether I can see what Cesar might have gone. Both of you, since you're kneeling near this, uh, entranceway, um, believe that you see, uh, a very smashed looking crossbow. Uh oh. Down many flights of those circular stairs at the edge of the darkness. And there is bits and pieces of contraptions, um, you know, that he's got a gizmo bag. Mm-hmm. Like he bounced like, down the steps and they like fell? He, like he bounced down the steps or was dragged down the steps. You know, you're, you're going down the stairs and you're doing... Yeah, I'm looking at the ground as I'm mm-hmm. gathering stuff up, so I'm not really paying attention to what they're doing. Right, so I'm trying to find out now what, what Thorne's up to. What the hell are you doing? You've got to stop. I'll just take my handful of gears and be like, hey, look at the gears, look at all the pieces. I can turn her back around, her on the head and say, okay, I'm going to go over here with Fluffy. Um, <laughs> stay where I can see you. <laughs> I say, no, you don't understand. Cesar's gone. These are his things. They're broken. Where has the Well, I'm trying to track the things until you stopped me to take me out here and ask me inane questions. Having just passed down the stairway, uh, Thorn, to the level where the floor is just above your head, there is a loud detonation and blast wave that passes right over where you were. So I sort of shove the that I have into Zanatari's arms and turn around and go upstairs to investigate said explosion. At the top of the stairs, um, probably about 20 feet away from where uh, the top of the stairway is, there is a very large figure with a crown of thorns, uh, horns, um, both long and small, that sort of deal, that uh, sort of loop back from um, the top of his head, large bat wings. In the creature's hand, um, gripped by the throat and or the front of the armor, is the limp form of Mithrin. Your senses would have allowed you um, to know that uh, Mithrin at this point is still alive. Yes, they, they, are, they are very close to the edge of the pit. In the next couple of seconds, I'm going to use my newly acquired power, Soul of the Wolf. So what this does is uh, it changes me into a hybrid form, combining the most fearsome aspects of the wolf and being a humanoid. So um, this will be a largely painful experience for Thor, um, as it'll be the first time that he's actually ever shifted um, into the hybrid form. It's not quite the same as changing into a wolf. Uh, you know, it's, it's going from one form to the other. This is like a fusion of the... So, um, as his rage overcomes him, um, he drops to his knees um, and sort of grips at the stones in that sort of agonizing fashion that, that sort of comes from someone that's been, you know, severely wounded. Um, and at the same time, uh, the flesh across his entire body starts to ripple. Um, the hair, and given that we know Thorn is a little bit hairier than most um, humans, uh, starts to thicken and grow more into fur, um, covering the entire length of his uh, the exposed flesh and whatnot, um, turning into like a very dark color, sort of as if uh, if you look at like a, an animal, it's like black in some light but gray in, in other light. Um, his claws lengthen, um, and he actually begins to grow what appears to be this, um, I guess, muzzle. Uh, and he becomes very, very much like the, uh, the lycanthropes and werewolves of old, his ancestors. Uh, and I'm going to run and do a, like a, a, like a diving bite attack, I guess. Nope. I roll a two. Plus three Whoa. is five. Yes. So I guess. I don't know how I, I fall short. Um, okay. Maybe I dive and I miss or something like that. Or how about uh, what if a 26 is rolled versus your will? My will? Um, that's just over. I'm at 23. That's then 
let's say perhaps then that uh, the reason for, along with your low roll, that you do not make your charge is that the creature holds out another hand towards you and you feel your form starting to freeze and lock up. Not a uh, turning to stone sort of thing, but a deep sense of paralysis comes mm-hmm. gripping at you and leaves you not but a slobbering uh, sort of form held in place. The figure starts to walk towards the open pit slash portal the whole time holding Mithrin, sorry, uh, feet in the air. I will use my immediate interrupt bastion mental clarity and see if that helps. So I'll use my minor, uh, erecting a second shield around Thorn, and see if I can cut him off from the source of whatever's coming out of this demon's hand. Uh, no difference. Okay. 16 damage. This is my daily, so it's big. Divine Castigation. Um, I'm going to hold up my holy symbol, assuming that he probably doesn't enjoy anything uh, holy-related or religious in any way, and make a prayer of castigation, which fuels my attack and my anger, leaving him at my mercy each time he lashes out against me. It's a radiant damage weapon attack. Um, at the end of the attack, at the end of the encounter, whenever this target attacks me or any of my allies, it provokes an opportunity attack from me. It's wisdom versus his AC. Mm, Kidoki. Uh, Bert is going to throw in a little extra. Um, he is pretty much white hot. Okay. Pew, pew. In terms of light level, you can still see but you have no idea how it is that you are still able to see at this point in time. Um, you should okay. just kind of sear, sear your eyeballs out. The demon takes um, his hand that is was casting something towards Thorn and lashes out towards Yuzanatari, going for either your throat or the front of your armor. And bellows out, WITNESS! So you are grabbed and you start to feel yourself slowing down, getting that sense of paralysis as well. You are dragged, uh, sort of like a sack. So you're facing the ceiling of this huge, immense bunker. Dragged by the throat? Dragged by, like, the front of your armor. Okay. And Mithrin is still being held up. And... This demon is moving at a pretty good, considerable pace at this point in time. You are dropped to the ground, and your head how your head kind of leans back tells you that you are right at the edge of the pit. There is this growling sort of hiss that calls you again to bear witness. In the middle of the pit, about halfway down um, from the area that you had gotten down to a portal red kind of very angry uh black red swirls type deal has opened up and it is crackling with maleficent energy that portal what clearly wasn't there before you definitely knew it's not and you realize that that bert isn't present right now you think bert might have fallen off bert can fall okay well, you know, you're 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 kind of tied up at the moment. Okay. Um, all of a sudden, you see the form of Mithrin falling past the side of your view, into and consumed by this portal. The demon, you realize, has stepped off the edge of the pit and is walking towards the center of the pit in the air. You're kind of just able to see the feet for a moment as he walks by. Mm-hmm. Before you too see the demon suddenly plummet into portal. You see a figure come scrabbling through the main door of the um, bunker where all the other mm-hmm. others were coming. It is this rather huge, hulking, beefed out werewolfish type monster mm-hmm. massive just badass as badass could be and mm-hmm. it goes running towards the pit it is yelling something it is yelling something about not being too late 
It can fix this. It can fix this. This can go to plan. Xanatari, you hear something that sounds like a loop guru that is just having its, you know, throat choked and trying to scream out whatever it can, some sort of voice. Can, can you describe this thing that's yelling, it's not too late again? I'm, I'm not sure I'm clear. Basically, um, some sort of large wolfish werewolf, something that's on all, all fours. Okay. Running. Think your classic, uh, big ass werewolf. Like a warg, kind of. Um, more humanoid than a warg. More humanoid. Um, but you can't see it yet. Just but you can, you can hear it. You just hear this, the thud, the thud, the thud. You realize this thing has a dagger in its mouth. Um, Big, very nice big blade. Mm-hmm. But in this, it looks like a small dagger, but it's holding it in its teeth, um, in its mouth, um, pirate style. Yep. If you have any idea of that sort of thing. And yeah, it is uh, full on, is full on charging the pit now. Okay. I'm going to use a power called Hammering Wind, which you are well familiar with. And in mm-hmm. this case, I'm going to aim it at this creature, which I believe is perhaps Future Thorn. Uh, okay. My intent is to slam him backward and to the ground, which I could if I succeed. Let's see. You have sort of the uh, immovable magic meeting the unstoppable force, and you slow Thorn, or whatever this werewolf is, okay. down a bit. But there is almost a blood rage determination that something... It has to do. Can I communicate with it? Because if it is Thorn, he would still be a part of my allied group mind link, but I don't know if it's him or not. Um, if you want to try to reach out with that, you can sure go ahead. Okay. Yes, I would try to mentally reach out uh, and just, you know, try to shout at it and say, you know, stop, stop. What are you doing? You're going to fall into the, the pit with Midthrin. You can't save him. It's too late. You are just absolutely blasted back. Um, you know, your, your message is received. You definitely get the message out. But coming back in, um, you're getting the notion that just the feedback of, I can make this right. I can make this right. I will do this. You know, there's something about an honor debt. There's something about all this stuff can be made right. There's also, for just a second, but there is this moment that suddenly it's like it realizes that you are there, you get its attention, like it hasn't, like it hasn't had this mind link for a while, and you just get this notion that this is going to be okay somehow because you get a picture of Mithrin's horse. Because remember, Mithrin's horse came from somewhere in the future. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's something is going on here at play, but it's primal. But for a moment, you get the sense of the human side of Thorn. Okay. But this creature is old, far far older than the Thorn that you know now. But it doesn't look like it's it's lost any vitality. Then I think I would just get out of its way and gesture it forward and try to move closer to my time's thorn. I guess I stop moving towards it. Like, I've got to find out who this this thing is, why he's running full pelt. So I'm going to um, start running as well and try and catch up. Okay. Thorn, it is clear to realize um, for your senses that whatever this creature is, it has proved itself. It has a much higher pack status mm-hmm. than you've had amongst either the cultists or anything else that you have been part of. This this is a creature of legend, or near legend, I should say. But in your mind, because of how impressed you are with things like stuff like this, maybe mm-hmm. there's a bit of a fanboy squee moment. I think... The instinctual urge to run with uh, what could be a pack mate mm-hmm. uh, is sort of overwhelming. It's sort of like a bleed-through effect from this whole okay. um, body of the wolf transformation. Okay. Um, the creature jumps over the lip of the 
pit. And seems to be, for Zantari's purposes, because she's actually seen the trajectories of things, would seem on target to be heading for the portal down below. In your mind, you'd estimate that there is a six-second fall, and if you hear the sound of something hitting wall and bone crunching and splatting, the portal probably closed. <laughs> In this case, though, you do not hear anything. I would run towards Thorn. How close am I to him? Mm, pretty close. Can I leap on him? Sure. Okay, I'm going to take a running leap on Thorn. Okay. I'm going to try to land on top. We'll just make this nice and simple. Um, Sanitari, you land on Thorn. Yes. Thorn, however, can react. Taste my 300 pounds of armor. <laughs> <laughs> How do I react to that? I just felt someone just going... <laughs> Um, and you're wearing plate armor, aren't you? <laughs> oh, He's God. so soft and pedible. Squish. Squish. Um, how do I react to this? Um, I've got no idea. <laughs> Obviously, I'm going to... You probably get the breath knocked out of you, so... Well, what, that, 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 that scent in the sense of pack suddenly, you know, like, like a snap, also ceases. You snap out of this sort of trance that you're in, um... Wonder how the hell I got so close to the pit all of a sudden. Okay. Um, you don't know that there's a portal down there. Sanitari, mm -hmm. you knew that there was a portal down there. Portal's not there anymore. Cesar, uh, you feel like you've been through the grist mill or perhaps maybe even a light day of work in the slave pits. Aww. Um, you're, you're comfortable, well fed, well drunk, well honeyed self feels Kind of crappy after uh, a light day at work in the slave pits, but um, kind of cracking your an eye open, um, you may find that instead of being in a nice, comfortable in-bed surrounded by people and, you know, booze and money and stuff, um, you're instead surrounded by uh, a bunch of shadows. There, there's not a whole lot of light where you're at. Um, uh -huh. Some kind of, looks like some bioluminescent fungus and, and junk oh. down there. Um, oh. but you can see maybe, uh, you know, 15 yards away, there appears to be a opening in the rock that leads to some natural light. But, um, you kind of think you're surrounded. Okay. What's the, uh, what's the last thing that Cesar remembers before this point? Um, pretty much you were getting fully on into the campaign. You saw Xanatari get wounded. Uh, she got healed back. You developed a couple siege weapon things that were put into play. Um, and then there was kind of a, a respite, uh, or a lull in the action, and you kind of took a moment to breathe. And now you're kind of waking up, so you, you let your guard down, Haas. Hmm. Can, do I seem to have my gear, my equipment with me? Specifically, any of my sun rods? Well, it, it's it's quite possible. Um, however, uh, Krugor, as as he un does the dance of the unmute button. <laughs> yes. Um, would would Herr Cesar uh have his equipment still? Um, having just been purloined from the action above. Yes, he probably still will, yes. Okay, very good. Uh, Cesar, um, hmm. the, the devil on my shoulder says yes, you have your gear. Alright, well, feeling so surrounded and <clears throat> whatnot, Cesar slowly reaches for the belt pouch containing his sun rods, slides one out, and uh, activates it. You know, are you going to poke him with a, uh, <laughs> a bow tip or something? Or? Yes, uh, yes, we'll get his attention. That. Show yourself! Old one, you shall be a snack for my pet. Sh show your face to me, whoever you are, you coward! Face me like a man! Who are you, surface dweller? Well, uh, my my name is, is Cesar. Uh, you uh, dragged me down here, uh, caught me uh, unawares, and, and now you uh, keep me here uh, in the dark without uh, giving me a chance to defend myself. Who, who do you think you are? Someone in your party seeks something that I want. Well, what's that? Maybe I have it. Give it to you and you can let me go. 
You are not the one that I seek. Well, then why'd you get me? I seek an item of incredible power that one in your group also seeks. A rod. Right. Uh, well, you're, you're right that that's not me, but, uh, what, uh, depending on who it is, what do you, what do you want with them? Why, why don't you just go after this, this rod? Because I seek to speak with them, and the only way to get them here is to bring you here. While you all are recovering, um, there's movement out of the corner of your eye as a form is kind of skirting around the edge of the pit, and it's almost like it's a mirage where you can see movement. There's, there's something not right about what you're seeing, but you can't exactly tell what it is. And as it kind of comes around, it ducks into the stairs and disappears from view. There's a figure as you see it move. It's not very big. It's small. You may guess it's anywhere from four foot eight, five foot four, somewhere in that neighborhood, small frame. And it just kind of blends, but it ripples as it goes. Like it's trying to almost like a chameleon against the wall that kind of shifts and changes as the rock changes around it. And then it kind of pops around a ledge and you lose sight from it. Yes. Okay. They are in position where they would see you. Okay. Um, as you come around the corner, there is a figure uh, bent over two very dead figures, wiping a glowing silver blade off the cloak of one of these fallen figures that are on the ground. And it almost, before you can really see what happens, the sword goes into this pattern and then back into the scabbard. It's almost so quick you can't almost follow it. And then the figure stands and turns around to face you and puts its arms out to the side with its hands up. And what you see in front of you is a small female figure, about five foot four, medium build, kind of lightish tan skin, uh, golden. Almost, you, you look at it and then it shifts a little bit. It, it almost looks metallic, like it's metal wire instead of actual hair. But it, as you blink, it turns back into normal hair. And it's wearing a suit of armor that's, it's, you can tell it's leather from where you're standing, but it seems to be made of panels of blue and silver pieces that all kind of weave together, uh, that kind of hang down low. Um, her hair kind of comes together in a tail at the back. And there seems to be some kind of marking that runs kind of up her neck and then covers just below the point of her eye. Um, it's almost a metallic silver look. And she looks at you, and again, the same uh, melodic uh, voice comes out, which, of course, my voice sounds nothing like this, so use your imagination. Uh, says, peace and be at ease. I mean you no ill will. My name is Sabreanaya Estalian. You can call me Sabre. I'm an agent of the Eladrin High Council, and it's been a long road from the High Forest to Winter Haven to here. I'm enchanted to have found a reasonable person, Sabre, and <laughs> we thank you for taking care of these pesky drow. I, I must apologize. I arrived much too late unfortunately, to intervene when they took your friend. I would question and, and ask, do you, know, do you know anything about what that creature was and where our friend has gone? Uh, unfortunately, such things are beyond my knowledge. I, I wish I could give you what you seek, but alas, it's not within my ability. We are seeking our friend who has been who is somewhere around this area, and I'm concerned about him because I see there are drow about, and perhaps he's met with some sort of bad end. Have you seen mm. an old man with lots of Be careful. bits attached to him? <laughs> um, <laughs> one important one? <laughs> yes, your, uh, your friend Cesar, I believe, is who you're seeking, and uh, he is the one I have followed down with the group that took him. They are just through this entrance, and she points, and waves back towards uh, the cavern. You seek the old one? 
We hear him through the door? No, down the passage. Oh, okay. Or have you moved up closer? It's just a passage with two guys in front, and then there's no door separating where Cesar is. He's just in a corridor. He's not in like yeah, a room there, or anything. There, there's, there's pretty much there's the light that kind of filters into this little crack for about five, ten feet. Okay. And it's pitch black down wherever it is. There's like patches of light bioluminescent color further down. Okay. But the two that were dispatched, you can see. I would use my group mind link and see if I could determine that Cesar was back there with that voice. Then we get out of my head. I'm back here. <laughs> get down here I would stride forward and say yes give him to us as I see this as I see this light moving down the hallway towards me I will cast a lightning bolt um Cesar seeing that you know the drow are at an advantage since they're standing in darkness he will try to stealthily again pull out the uh the sunrod and activate it Krugor Yes. Around you and your crew of six drow, the cavern is flooded with, could best be described as natural daylight. Uh, for my standard action, I will be casting a fireball. Burst three within 20 squares. Okay, and who are you centering the fireball on? Uh, I will center the fireball uh, basically right in the middle of the room. Where you're in? Yes. <laughs> so you will be within range of your own fireball. Yeah, much. <laughs> He's okay. committing sepicure. He's killing all of us with him. Fire <laughs> I'm going down, I'm taking you with me. I have an immediate interrupt I'd like to throw down, if I may. Okay. What's your immediate interrupt? I'm going to use like radiant throw? armor. Myself and any ally within five squares of me that's taking damage is blocked by a suit of shimmering radiant armor that fades as quickly as it appears. Okay. Damage and dealt to the target is reduced to zero. Any other effects still apply, but all damage dealt to the target is re reduced to zero. Just to put Sabre on the spot here, uh, Xanatari, mm -hmm. you see this spell go off. Um, huge giant fireball. Mm -hmm. You light your armor off. Okay. Sabre. Is everyone within five squares of me? Because that will only affect them if they're within five squares. Well, Sa Sabre isn't. But Sabre rolled a, a natural 20, so I want to hear in epic detail, as does all of podcast land, <laughs> how you managed to avoid damage from a fireball without magical intervention. Go. You have a few minutes before we need to end this thing. Okay. <laughs> no pressure. Um, as she's striding forward, she, she sees Krugor casting, and she recognizes exactly what he's doing and her sword comes up and the song comes to her lips and as the spell hurtles towards her and the detonation wave comes there is this blur of silver light and blade along with song and it almost seems like the blade itself has a tone as it goes through the air and the fire is just almost sliced into nothingness as it washes over her and she just keeps on walking right through it. Krugor, did you did you make your own save on your damage there? Or did the vest work as advertised? Uh, no, I missed. Okay, and, and how much damage did you take? Uh, 21. Cesar immediately takes uh, action as his uh, hands are free. Uh, he uh, pulls out his crossbow and slaps in a dark black uh, bolt into it from one of his pouches. He only has uh, one of these in there, uh, which means it's a daily power. Uh, and he fires it at the feet of Krugor. It uh, is basically a vial of uh, black powder uh, that, as it strikes, it, it explodes and uh, catches the the hem of his... What, or I don't know what he's wearing, but I'm assuming something of him is... Uh, slightly on fire from the fireball, catches that and immediately flares into a huge explosion. And with that final strike, Krugor slumps dead in the back of the oh. cave. Looks like that whatever this wizard is wearing uh, is not heavily travel-stained. Uh, looks like a... I've left from somewhere, I'm not a, kind of a, a random bandit, as it were. You do notice that each of them has a ring, and it's on the index finger. 
and bears sort of, uh, it sort of looks like a spider with the legs wrapped around the finger, if that makes any sense. I would like to remove each and every single ring from their hands. Okay. You are able to get nine rings off. I'm going to turn to Thorn and say, Thorn, can I see one of those rings? Because I would like to do an arcana check to make sure he's not going to curse himself into oblivion. I'll press one into her open hand. Okay. Sorry. As you're trying to study this thing, um, wherever you have that brooch stashed away, the finger, the legs of the ring uncurl, and the ring sort of stands up in your hand, and then three of the legs sort of splay out forward, and the um, the ring kneels, the, the spider ring kneels towards the direction of that image and freezes. The serialized spider that is the ring, uh, if you arrange it in a certain way, would look fairly similar to the one that is on the brooch. The brooch is of higher quality. Uh, it may be a symbol of rank, maybe a symbol of station or something like that compared to the ring. But it is definitely emblematic of um, the goddess Loth. If Thorn would like this back, I will give him back the ring. Otherwise, I would like to move it away from the brooch and see if it returns to its normal shape. Um, do you attempt to pick it up and move it away? Or describe to me in detail what you're trying to do. I assume that I have it in my hand, and the palm of my hand, and I have the brooch kind of stashed in one of my uh, pouches. So where it's kneeling, I can see kind of the direction and, and make a guess on what that is. And if I move my hand away from the pouch, I want to see how far away I have to get for it to react. Okay. As you start to pull it away, the ends of the front legs start to curl sort of like hooks. Mm -hmm. And you can feel that when you get your hand probably about a foot away from where it was, mm -hmm. and feel it starting to, it's either going to barb you like a fish hook into your hands mm -hmm. with those, or it might be trying to change. Okay, well, at this point, I'd like to grab her other hand, the one that's got the, the ring in it, and pull out a boot knife and lift the spider off her hand before it barbs her or something along those lines. I mean, if it's going to do it, it's going to do it around the knife as opposed to her flesh. You're paying attention to this ring, and you feel it start to react, but then you see this blade coming in your direct, general direction mm -hmm. from Thorn. Mm -hmm. Now, you have to realize that uh, Thorn was pretty, pretty pissy with uh, things up at the top of the portal. Of Le course, I landed on him in full armor, and he's still grumpy about it, I understand. He's still, you know... Could it be that he, you know, he's he's trying to uh, do something about this situation, or what? What do you what do you think he's trying to do? Because that that dagger is coming in pretty hot, and he may or may not have that right blade angle. Do you do you keep your hand level, or do you you know grab at any you know what what's? My reaction would be to snatch my hand back, and I'm gonna have to close my hand. It would just be a natural reaction. Okay. You gotta admit, Xanatari, that Thorn, even though he is, a, you know, a bit of a pain, does tend to wield daggers pretty decently well. Um, it's kind of sloppy, but as you close your hand, you kind of realize that somehow he's managed to get his blade passing through um, your hand, so that you feel the blade resting on the flat of your palm, not cutting into your thumb, not cutting into your fingers, but you feel the ring not pressing into your flesh anymore. So am I paused with a dagger in between my half-closed hand? You you pulled back, you're paused, and there's a dagger dagger blade in in your hands, passing through the, the opening. Basically <clears throat> resting on your palm, or between your palm and the ring. So you're sort of like against the blood. I'm going to look at Thorn and raise my eyebrow. Well, they all kind of noise is going off onto the side. You, you catch out of the corner of your ear the sound of what appears to be clockwork. Uh, some sort of clockwork device. 
So not not like a ticking clock, but more like an not, orange. Not a, not a ticking clock, but more along the lines of your little bomb robot, bomb disposal okay. robot. Something you know, ticking gears, things like that. Um, and it sounds like it's dragging something. It's whatever it is is small, but it sounds like it's dragging something. Okay. And it's coming your way from. Uh, I know you've got the sun um, rod out. There's a rock a little bit deeper in down the passageway. It seems like something is going to be coming around that rock. All right. As you um, approach, you hear this sort of uh, beeping noise mm-hmm. and a tone, followed by another series of beeps and a tone. Is it repeating pattern, or do the number of beeps change? Does it like sound like a countdown, or is it just like beep, 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 boop, beep, 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 boop? That's yeah, what I'm picturing. Kind of, kind of like that. There's 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 a repetition. There is something. Okay. It is a constant pattern. Okay. Yep. It's but you know it, it's it's definitely some sort of small clockwork, and the dragging sound pauses for a moment, and the tones, the tone and the beeps that you hear. Uh, become louder. In fact, uh, Sabre, you might actually start to hear whatever this strange sound is. It's louder, but it almost sounds more urgent. You get the feeling you're being scanned or observed. Um, Appears to be some sort of narrow tube, probably, I want to say, maybe about a foot and a quarter long. Um, as you get up close, the the robot actually begins to do this sort of uh, little stepping gyration dance, as if it's you know some sort of kind of the, the for lack of a better term the puppy, mm-hmm. um, the puppy the puppy dance. Okay. Um, you you cannot figure out how to turn this one off though. All right. Well, as as a consolation to the robot for having completed its task, uh, Cesar will pull out a small oil can and, and squeeze a few drops into some of its joints. Um, and then he'll uh, see if he can work on detaching whatever is connected to the back of it, the, the tube. Um, the clip mechanism that it's attached, the tube is attached to, comes off extremely easy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't have any issue with that. Once it's detached, however, the clockwork creature begins to rapidly disassemble itself. Ah. There's a sort of puff of puff and smell of something very acidic. And you can see that as bits are bits are removed, mm-hmm. um, the metal is starting to buckle inward, melt and dissolve uh-huh. as it's um uh, pulling things away. And you figure there's probably about a minute before it turns into a, a, a lump of nothing. Thorn, you've had the eyebrow of death raised at you by um, Sanitari. Would you like to comment at all? I will growl at Sanitari, like I just did. <laughs> Grab her wrist and turn it palm facing up with the ba- uh, the the blade of the the flat of the dagger against your palm um and just squeeze the pressure point slightly so your hand, hand would kind of open automatically um and with the flat of the blade flick the spider ring which is opened up onto the ground and step on it once it's returned i'd like to stick it in a separate pouch please a separate one from the others. Yes. First of all, what does it appear to be made of? It appears to be made of some sort of animal skin. Okay. Is it, uh, like, firm? Is it solid? It's or is it... more on the solid side of a leather than mm-hmm. sort of a soft, squishy case. Okay. Um, and about how... Is it, is it, does it have weight? How, how heavy is it? Uh... There's not much weight to it. Um, I'd say maybe about a pound total, but it's a case that is meant to protect versus uh, just handle a kind of a, a, a drag. Mm-hmm. 
Cesar holds it up to his ear and, and shakes it like a Christmas present, okay. but gently. It sounds like there is one item inside, and it mm-hmm. runs mostly the length of the case. Okay. And it sounds like there is one end which scrapes the inside of the case. Hmm. So does there appear to be an easy way to open it? Yep. Looks like a... Uh, Cesar opens it. Some kind, okay. Inside, there is a single, magnificently constructed crossbow bolt. Hmm. Okay. Let's it, take a... Go on. I just said I would like to do an arcana check. Well, if you want to hearken your mind back to the days out in the wood woods uh, when the party was running around and you encountered this variant of math magic that uh, Future Cesar employed... This one is some sort mm-hmm. of abstract version of that. The crossbow bolt, you know your daily power that you used the last time, the black powder explosive and stuff like that? You had the specialty uh, specialty bolt? Yes. This is some sort of bolt that right now you're not even sure really should be able to exist. Hmm. You don't understand how the probability of this bolt being here um, it it really just starts to kind of f with your mind. To see if I could uh, look at it and figure out if there would be a way I could sort of backwards engineer it so that it's not a a one time use and that I could maybe repeat it. You don't even know. You know roughly which way to point this thing. Okay. And with how fuzzy the logic is around it, you're not sure if you need to reverse that. So yeah, this this one is well out of your ballpark at the moment. All right. Well, he'll uh. Um, gather up the bits of the, the robot. He'll, uh, pick up the case as well and store that away. And he'll, uh, wander back over to the group with his sunrod and the, uh, and the bolt sort of still studying it with a puzzled look on his face. All right. Well, uh, our good friend Krugor, uh, yeah, he lied to you all. He, he did have a little something extra tucked up his sleeve. And, uh, Thorne's attempt to save him could have gone so much better. Because if he was still alive, we wouldn't have the problem. Because as he's died, that lightning energy that's stored inside of him starts to arc up and out of him, forming into a orb that is just growing in size right above him at this point. Uh, as this orb starts to grow and grow, it's almost pulsing energy. And then it starts to slowly float away down the hallway that the little robot came from and away from the group, almost tempting you to follow it. A button is pressed by the bolt pushing, shooting into it, and a passageway opens up, which the ball lightning proceeds to deviate and head down towards. (laughs) Well, uh, as uh, the ball continues down this little short corridor, it's going to open into a much more open room. Uh, well, as it opens into this room, Cesar would feel almost at home in the in the workshop area that uh, that there is here. There's whirly gigs and doodads and what's it's on the walls and yes, there's there's pulleys and as you look down to the end of the room, this is kind of a circular room. Uh, there's a humanoid type figure. And the ball lightning itself suddenly accelerates and smacks into the chest of this figure. Oh. The the figure where the you'd expect eyes to be starts to have a little crackle of that lightning look, forming the two eyes. And from the darkness, you hear unit online number five six eight two one seven four designation. Razor. And a little scan goes to the room, and he's, you hear from that same area, four identified threat level minimum. Uh, that, that corner that he's in isn't all that well lit. There's some braziers burning on the sides there that you can, you can see a little bit. And as he steps forward, you can, you can get a much better view of, of what he is. Okay. Uh, at, as he steps forward, it's a about six and a half foot tall, uh, humanoid shape, but that's about where the similarities end. He's got 
two legs that go down to solid plate feet. Uh, he's only got two large toes. Uh, extending up from the waist, there's exposed areas where you can just see almost looks like muscle fibers, uh, just filament cables that are going up to a solid plate, breastplate. Two huge arms come off of it with three fingers. At, at the head of the creature, it's got a strong, heavy brow, very little for a chin, no mouth really obvious. And right on the forehead, right in the middle, is that spider symbol. Does um does he seem to be like does he ha- does seem to be holding a weapon or does the uh you know if you attribute human uh emotion to it does it seem to be having like a threatening body posture or anything like that? Oh, it's it's holding a weapon. It has in its hands <laughs> a large two-handed double-bladed battle axe, and it um, is moving towards you. No emotion. Caesar will attempt to keep ten feet between he and Razor, um, all the while talking to him. He'll say, um, I, uh, uh, Razor, I, I believe that's what you said your, your name was. Um, can we uh, stop and, uh, and talk about this for just a moment? I'd, I'd, I'd love to, uh, to uh, get a chance to, to speak to you a bit. Uh, we uh, come in peace. Razor continues to move forward and... As the axe moves back, he says, mission, destroy, no survivors. Don't, don't hurt it. It's, we need to study it. <laughs> it, it could be, I could, just don't hurt it yet. Let's see what we can do. Yes, that, that, that impacts Razor and square in the chest. And that, uh, that energy from the lightning, skirts along his breastplate and starts to arc down his his left hand, building up into a a ball of energy in his hand, which he points towards Thorn and releases it into his face, dealing ten damage. Well, I believe I believe that's um, a faux pas on your part because you can't see me. Oh, that it, okay. Well, then is Caesar's the one that's trying to talk to him. That's true, Thorn. Okay. So Caesar gets to take 10 damage of oh, lightning to the Cesar. face. It's a feat. Okay, and what is the feat so that the audience can follow along? Uh, this is called Lightning Soul, and uh, it gives plus 3 damage to any lightning attacks. And whenever you take lightning damage, deals 10 damage to a creature within 5 squares. Her hand comes up. And Razor is picked up off the floor and thrown three squares back. I am going to make a mad dash and leap onto the back of the now stumbling um, designation Razor. Um, I'm going to start pulling some plugs. And uh, I'm going to start looking for plugs or switches or buttons that I can start to press and pull. And basically... um, I'm going to I'm going to shut this mother flipper down. As his arm kind of at the wrist detaches, flies around behind him and grabs Thorn, pulling him around and in front of him. I'm I'm going to use the hammering wind. And my theory is that this robot is heavy, and if I can knock him backwards, he's going to have some difficulty getting up. Uh that does not hit. This is an encounter power called runic resistance. Okay. Uh, it's done with the crossbow it's versus reflex. It's an area burst one within 10 squares. So it's like a 15 by 15 foot square. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it targets each enemy in the burst specifically rather than each creature. So 12 damage and I get to choose a damage type. Now get this. I get to pick acid, cold, fire, or lightning. I'm going to pick acid. So it does, <laughs> Sorry, Thorin. So it does. No, it doesn't target Thorin. He's good. I'm going to choose 12 acid damage, but it also has an effect. I also get to choose another damage type, acid, cold, fire, or lightning. Uh, This time I'm going to choose lightning. Each ally in the burst gains resistance equal, uh, gains eight resistance to lightning damage until the end of my next turn. I, um, I cling to the front of, uh, 
designation razor with one hand and both feet. I grab my bow off my back um, and an arrow, and I notch the arrow, and I pull the string back with my teeth because I've got to hold on real tight. Um, and I fire my bow right into the chest of um, Razor, uh, and the impact basically causes a shockwave of, of sound, basically sound of thunder. Well, Razor takes that shaft square in the chest, and uh, some of those cables start to, to burst and spray a uh, blood-type oil fluid around, and he's obviously reeling back a little bit from that. This point, he is uh, just going to go ahead and push Thorn forward and so that he's standing in front of him and then bring that big battle axe down and across him as a melee basic attack. Um, seeing the axe come down, Sabre and Thorn swap places. Oh, and she shifts. Uh, the effect is you and an ally shift up to two squares as a free action swapping position. You become the target of the triggering attack, and in place of the ally, after the attack is resolved, you may make a melee basic attack against the attacker. 11 force damage as the bolt that uh, Cesar fires unwinds into that barbed wire mess that sort of wraps around the torso of, of Razor and sort of sinks in. Uh, it stays there, uh, sort of magically held until the end of uh, Cesar's next turn. I'm going to fire off my flickering arrow. And with that great shot, the bolt catches just underneath the chin and severs the cables at the neck. Uh, Razor starts to, to whirl down, and his last words are, I'll be Bach. Had his, hands, of, had his hands in all of Cesar's junk for six months. Oh, wait, that's not what I meant. <laughs> wow, we have a title. I've washed my hands. That is not what I said. I said pockets. Wow. That's not what I said. I haven't had my, my hands in all of this. Thank you very much. Wow, had his hands. That's not what I said. <laughs> I sense an I elaborate setup there. There, there was. I was trying to get. No, never mind. <laughs> never mind. I'm, I'm too tired for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and with that bit of, there was a uh, creature that was talking or appearing to talk to. Um, well, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that, that's the that's the episode. I'm glad that you could join us. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna go hang myself now. Unfortunately, however, it's gonna be a little bit hockey here because uh, the plant, the pants that he's he's wearing uh, are not magic and do not uh, expand and <laughs> grow with him. So they they tear and they it's <laughs> they. <laughs> yeah, they they rip at the knee and they turn purple um, to match the armor that he's wearing. <laughs> I like this word today. Maleficent. It's very Sleeping Beauty. Yes, it is. Begins to cast Spectral Ram. Truck yeah. shows up. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> who am I does not matter to you right now. Well, why does who I am matter to you? It's kind of like being assaulted by Grover, isn't it? (laughs) 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 Oh, Grover, with your crazy arms. Okay, thank you, Dungeon Master. 
This podcast is a part of the Signals Media All-Star Network. For more information on this and other fine shows, go to SignalsMedia.com. It's okay to stick our stuff in your ears. Really?